With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You ever have one of those days where it seems like fate is fighting against you? I have a praiseworthy insight that I have learned and practiced as I have journeyed from gang life from churchianity to today seeking to follow Jesus Christ with all my mind, heart, soul, and strength. Obviously, understanding the power of prayer helps much. However, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, we read, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That's my goal here for the next hour or so on Bible Beacon Radio. I, your host, Pastor Michael Miano, seek to captivate you with the knowledge of God revealed through Jesus Christ. Take time to sip the water of life today and catch me at the brook. I'm thirsting 
to God. Find peace in your mercy and grace. I need more. Find shelter in no other place. I need more. My soul thirsts for you, oh Lord. I need more. I need more. You can catch me at the brook. All right, good afternoon. It is November 18th, 2014. I am your host, Pastor Michael Miano. Thank you for taking time out of your afternoon to uh, tune in today, or if you're listening on podcast, thank you for taking time to listen to uh, some of the truth from God's Word. Amen. Well, again, I'm Pastor Michael Miano. I'm the pastor at Blue Point Bible Church. I'm also the director of the Power of Preterism Network, which a lot of work is being done on right now and is due to launch by uh, early 2015. I'm an avid Facebook user, I am a former gang member, now turned uh, my life over to Christ, and living in the glory of God. So, that's that, I'm a full preterist, a heretic by unfortunately many uh, that hold to an erroneous view of um, futurism, and that's my story. I have a long story to tell, I I live in New York, and... um, you can purchase my book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, called Freaked Out by the New Covenant. also have a new book called Wicked, A Biblical Narrative, coming out in 2015. Keep tuning into the show, and I would be glad to get more information about those things into your hands. So, if the introduction wasn't enough for you to give you some information about the show, um, I hope that uh, as we navigate through things and what I just told you gave you enough information... Uh, with that, I want to open in prayer, and I just want to give you a quick uh, thing about the calls and people calling into the show. Um, for today, the goal is to get through most of what I have planned to speak on the airwaves, as I mentioned in the introduction, that the goal is to put put truth on the airwaves and uh, you know really get it out there, get the truth of preterism, what I call the power of preterism, into your hands. And I, I thank the um, many men and women of God that have put together this uh, blog talk. I know Derek Lambert has labored... Uh, extensively on these things and you know I want to offer up a uh, praise to God on his behalf you know for just making men of God like him so committed and uh, diligent so uh yeah you know before we do that the goal of the show is I want to make sure I get everything out that I want to say and uh at the end if uh, there's quite if there's people on the call I will be glad to uh, pick up if you listen through the phone it's, sometimes it's hard to tell if you're calling into the show or not um Hopefully you won't mind if I just kind of bring you on and then you can just tell me, oh, I just called into the show. So uh, with all that, let's open in a moment of prayer and get into some truth today. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, the ability to get on the internet, Lord, the freedom to get on the internet and not have to fear for our lives, Lord, to speak truth into the airwaves, Lord. There's people that can listen to this podcast at any time of their day at their leisure, and they can listen all over the world, Lord, and that's an amazing thing, and we know that you have given men and women the wisdom to do these things. Lord, we lift up this show for your glory and your glory alone, and we thank you for your revealed truth in and through Jesus Christ, the Word, Lord, and we thank you for all that you seek to do in our world, the healing of the nations, Lord, and the salvation and gospel that you have given us. We thank you for the good news, Lord, and we thank you for your revelation, Lord. And I, I lift up this show and I pray that it is it brings all glory to you, Lord. And we thank you for all that you have accomplished in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as I navigate uh, social media the last week, I noticed that there's so much confusion within Christianity regarding what exactly was accomplished in and through Christ Jesus. What was hoped for? What was the hope of, you know, let's say go all the way back to Adam and his lineage leading into Israel? What was the the hope of Israel as the Apostle Paul speaks about in Acts chapters 24, 26, and 28? What, you know, 
what was this one hope that they were yearning for? And I believe that there's much confusion on that topic. And I hope that as we uh, go through Scripture and we look into these things, that we can um, get clarity on what, what this is about. How would that hope, when it was fully given, you know, when you, you hope for something and you receive it, how would that be realized by its recipients? You know, that is an important question that I believe needs to be be, be asked. And I know there's been, you know, I know some, Philip Morrow has a great writing on the hope of Israel that you could get uh, free on a Kindle or you could probably get the free ebook on the internet. You know, that's a great resource to start with to try to understand how the, the covenant God had with Israel has everything to do with the Old Testament and the New Testament. Unfortunately, there's been a false dichotomy or a false division that has happened there that we'll uh, get into as we continue with the show. But that's the question, is what was hoped for and how would that hope be realized? For example, in speaking about atonement, what was the need for atonement? Who needed to be atoned for? And what would that atonement do? You know, what, Essentially what we're asking is, what is biblical atonement? What would be the ongoing effects of that atonement on the person or people that were atoned. You see, I say all those questions because those are the questions that we need to be asking when we're trying to figure out clarity on doctrines such as atonement. And as I navigate through the internet, I'll tell you, I see so much confusion in this regard. And I really want to uh, try to dispel some of the confusion and maybe offer clarity for both sides to look at it a little different. To seek consistency, or what I call a true and reasonable gospel, these are some of the questions that we must ask. I believe the failure of many people to understand the full story of narrative, and sadly many Christians, to understand the full story, the full narrative of Scripture, has led people to be confused about the details and unfortunately either make up their own version willingly or unwillingly. Like they, you know, they didn't intentionally do that. So we either have people that are intentionally confusing the gospel and filling in the blanks of you know what they just want it to say or they want it to be, or we have people that are unknowingly you're failing to study the show themselves approved, failing to prove all things that are unfortunately not intentionally doing so, but yet they they bear the guilt of. Not walking worthy to understand these things of God, the manifold wisdom. If you call yourself a Christian, your call is to make known the manifold wisdom of God. So we must be diligent and we must seek to study to show ourselves approved. Otherwise, we're, we're not approved and we, we bear the reproach. And I, that sounds harsh, but that's, unfortunately, if you look at all the mass confusion, and then the confusion confuses the people outside of the covenant, outside of the kingdom, and then we're not really calling people into the kingdom. We're not even doing what we're called to do because of all this confusion. So we really have to begin to understand the full story of Scripture. And I, I believe, you know, and I know that when we begin to do that, we'll see so much bigger things. The truth of Scripture. We must stand against the confusion within Christianity. We must not begin to just make jokes about pan tribulation or pan, you know, it all pan out in the end. Surely that's not what Scripture is telling us. If Scripture is telling us about the end times, it's either telling us it's coming or it has happened. 
but it's telling us something. And we can't just say it all pan out in the end to be ignorant, willingly ignorant of the truth of Scripture. Because we want to be comforting or comforted ourselves. These are the strongholds that we're called to demolish according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. These are the things that are keeping people outside of the church. Surely if the church can't get eternal life right, and that's what they're offering to the world, then how could we expect the world to be compelled by it? We must demolish this confusion. All too often within preterism, this view of preterism, which is an amazing reform happening in the body of Christ, we spend more time debating the details on the internet, believing something and wanting to find more about it, and, and, and just festering on all the details of it and, and wanting to be so sure and build it so solid that we end up getting bored with it and wandering away to keep, quote-unquote, studying. I unfortunately know many men and women of God who have spent so much time trying to build this, this foundation of their own wisdom that have been driven away into, unfortunately, atheism, agnosticism, Gnosticism itself, and other false religions. Because they spent too much time on a particular detail that they got bored and lazy and began just seeking the next new thing. And that's what we see in Scripture as the Greek mindset. That was the early Greek mindset. They wanted to hear the next new thing. Christianity just flew right by them. It was one of the things they, they heard, but it was so simple. Such an amazing truth yet so simple that it went right by them because they wanted the next new catchy thing that they could just keep thinking about and philosophizing about and you know, hypothetical thinking in circles with no concrete truth. And unfortunately, with all of that happening all over the internet, in this amazing reform of preterism, is leading people astray into so much confusion. Why don't we spend time seeking to know how to live and experience the blessings we have in Christ? Why does that become boring and we have to jump to the next new topic and the next new thing? You know, recently I had an amazing paradigm shift as I'm sitting there, you know, and I... I pastor a, you know, I guess what is called a small church. To me, I don't view it as a small church because it's a mighty church. However, you know, I uh, I pastor my congregation, and I know like the obsession with the size and the different ministries, and unfortunately, being being you know human, I'm compelled by that, and I'm compelled by size, and I'm compelled by new things, and and what seems cool for the moment, fads. And I begin to think, you know, how can we grow the church? And, you know, instead of just saying, let's be the church and let the church, let God grow the church. But, you know, we all do this. It's something that's so common to man to seek the next new thing. And in doing so, I ended up stumbling upon this book called Servolution by Dino Rizzo. And as I'm reading through the book, Dino Rizzo's solution, his, uh, you know, way to start a revolution, to, to grow your church, is to simply serve. And I remember reading, I said, that's the simple, that's, the, that's the, the plan. Something so simple to serve, to love other people as we have been commanded, to fulfill the royal law according to Scripture. Wow. And I began to think, what if I just begin to live a personality of service and seeking to serve? Yet I forget that so often. 
And I can tell you how often I, I fill up my schedule and I have no time. I might not notice that man sitting by the gate called Beautiful, for example, in Scripture with John and Peter. I always thought it was amazing that they took notice of him. Go ahead and read that in the book of Acts, where I believe it's Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 or 4. And they uh, they, they walk up and they um, they notice him. They, they, they fix their gaze upon him, it says. You know, do we live like that? And, I, you know, I, that's basically my point is we need to be focusing on the simple things, the blessings that we have in Christ, and not getting bored there seeking the next new topic. And this is something that, you know, is close to my heart. You can listen to the podcast. I've been going over this and the details of this at the Blue Point Bible Church for the past month. You can go to our podcast at buzzsprout.com 11630. We'll have the webpage of bluepointbiblechurch.org. You could go there too, click on sermons, and you know it'll take you to a link. You could do that process as well, rather than remembering that number. Um, just look up Blue Point Bible Church or Blue Point Bible Church podcast, and uh, that's another simple way. Uh, the website we're getting uh, working on and getting it all revamped, and it'll be uh, nice and fashionable within the next couple of weeks. So, as I mentioned last show, living in the reality is my goal. For example, uh, I've been working on this idea, this concept of the Power of Preterism Network, which is you know currently being built up, and all the ideas I'm pulling them all together, creating you know the the, the strategy or the theory of how I want it to look and what what I believe really needs to be done within the body of Christ and within this reform and movement of preterism. So uh, right now, working on a website for resources, you know, you go there to have stuff about preterism. You know, somebody says, "What is preterism?" Well, you know, what. what you know, if I believe that the end already happened, then what now? You know, what's my hope? And answering all those questions that people are always asking. I want to have a resource we can just send them right to. And uh, actually, recently I, I had ordered, I had bought out a ChristHasCome.org, and I ordered stickers. I made that, and then unfortunately, I, uh, I, as I was working on it, I didn't pay the bill. I let it kind of sit to the side. And somebody went out and bought ChristHasCome.org. So maybe everybody out there in the internet world that's more savvy with looking into that stuff can find out who bought my website. And uh, I'd be glad to negotiate with them to buy the ChristHasCome.org uh, back. Or I'm going to move forward and I have another idea for another website. However, I'd still be interested in knowing who bought the website. So uh, – but yeah, we're working on this website where it's going to have resources for that. It's going to have uh, a school. You know, I'm working on a school idea. You know, internet and as well as here on campus at Blue Point Bible Church. Um, as far as training people in ministry, training people in you know if they want to be ordained and so forth. That's an idea that we are currently working on. Um, church planting and help. You know, want to help people get churches. I get emails every week from people in different parts of the you know United States namely and other parts of the world as well but mostly here in the United States and these people want to have fellowships and want to have churches and establish these things in their area some people are even called to ministry pastors that have lost their jobs are you know I don't know what to do what to do next well you know let us come alongside you and help you build up a church in your community that's pushing truth isn't that what should be our goal so you know, I want to do this. I want to train more people in this, you know, and really begin this work. And I want to share missional insights. I'm a person, you know, I love uh, just thinking missionally, and I love the concept sometimes, and unfortunately I fill my schedule where I can't live missionally. However, uh, I believe we could work together as the body of Christ here, and you could help me, I could help you, and we could hold each other accountable to being missional. 
being a missional people. I'm actually going to share something about that that I, I spoke about yesterday in my sermon um, with you all that I could, every, I believe we could begin that right now. So, uh, you know, really, we're called to heal the nations, Revelation chapter 22. What about doing these things? This is what the Power of Preterism Network wants to do. I truly believe the healing of the nations is the power of preterism. The fact that we have a fulfilled gospel, the fact that we can understand and explain full atonement, the fact that we can understand what that means in a world for today. You know, I know uh, so many people say it, Christians say it, and it's like a common phrase now, but are we really letting it sink in that it's not about focusing on the quote-unquote afterlife. It's about focusing on the life we're living now, the kingdom of God here in our midst, in our world. And when you really begin to think about how rational that is to a world that is, you know, a world's not worrying about life after death. They're worrying about life before death. And, you know, that's what I'm seeking to teach people is life now. Come visit Blue Point Bible Church. Get a life. You know, that that's such a truth-filled statement. Come get life. Come get built up. Come pursue who you are. And live in that. Isn't that the power behind truth? Isn't that the foundation that Jesus is laying in Matthew chapter five and through seven, where he's he's preaching the you know the the inauguration of the kingdom of God, and in that inauguration he's talking about who's going to be blessed. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know he's he's speaking about his kingdom. These are going to be the people who are blessed. And. Then he goes on to teach you the insights of the kingdom. You know, well, I understand the law says, or it has been said in the law, that, and you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, you know, and he, and he changes that and he reverses that. This is what the upside down kingdom is going to do. This is the kingdom that's going to turn the world upside down. It's going to stand against the world, the violence of the world, the depression, the, the uh, you know, the oppression, the depression, you know, all these social ills. That's what the healing of the nations is calling us to do. And we're supposed to use this truth to build the foundation. Jesus says, the man that listens to my teachings and puts them into practice is like the man who builds his house on a rock. And when the storms come, the house does not fall. That's what we're trying to do. Build people up. Heal people that are broken. Look around. Maybe get off Facebook, get off the internet, and go look outside. Because, you know, I have to teach myself that sometimes, too. You know, stop focusing on Facebook while I'm at Starbucks and actually look up from my computer and look about, look around me about the people or, you know, all these people that are stuck in something. That's why I love this concept of a celebrate recovery Christian ministry where it focuses on, you know, drugs and hurts and habits. And that's what they say. They say uh, hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We all have them. We all have, we all have something we need to be healed from. You know, and we all have something we have been healed from. You know, maybe it works like that. Maybe we all have something that we, you know, either one. We either have something we need to be healed from or we have something that we've been healed from. And we can share that with the people that need to be healed from it. You know, it's one hand washes the other. Maybe that's how we're called to do this kingdom work. Isn't that the picture you get when you read through your New Testament about love and community? I mean, I don't know. I'm just a former gang member, I guess. Maybe that's where I get that concept from. But... You see what I'm saying? That it's such an amazing truth to be a part of a community that just seeks to, I guess you could say, take over the world together. Spread this kingdom, truly spread this kingdom. Last night I sat back and I was reading just so many resources by Shane Claiborne and watching YouTube videos, and I was just amazed at this this uh, the concept of conspiring for goodness, plotting goodness. And I even I got to sharing it with friends, and you know, even my friends that some that aren't necessarily you know in church and you know uh, praising Jesus on Sundays or Monday through Sunday, um, you know, 
not necessarily what I would call a Christian, yet these people understand plotting goodness, and they see the value in that. And I'm like, that's – imagine if the church really excelled in what we were called to do. I'll tell you. We really must walk worthy of our call, and that if, – if I could sum up everything that I seek to do, you know, I want to create networks and you know fellowships and – he really heal the nations and seek to make believers walk worthy of our calling, especially if we understand truth. This past week, I, uh, this past Sunday, I shared a sermon at Blue Point Bible Church called "The Children of the Light Are Walking Walking in the Light," and I, I talked about this responsibility of walking worthy. Walking, you know, if we're in the light and we're gaining the clarity, and I spoke about how clarity and darkness, you know, refer to, um, you know. Our situation, you might say, we might be in darkness or confusion. We might be in the light, which is clarity and clearness. And um, you know, mysteries would be darkness, which Israel was given. You know, the oracles of God in a mystery in the Old Testament, and then Jesus is giving us the oracles of God in the light. You know, He says, "What I told you in darkness, speak in the light." And you know, He's making it clear. And those of us that are walking in the light are called to walk as children of light. Scripture, how many times does the Apostle Paul tell us, you're called to walk worthy. You're called to be children of the light. You're called not to be in confusion. You see, we're called to tell the world that there is clarity in the light. And we know that that light is the life of men, Jesus Christ, according to John chapter 1. That's what we're called to do. That and nothing else. We are called to reveal Jesus to the world which is the life of men. So, that being said, we, uh, we're going to do an unexpected 40-day adventure. And I'll tell you, let me, let me uh, boast about this church, Blue Point Bible Church. I'll tell you. I, uh, I spoke about this yesterday morning, and I got almost the whole church gave me back the unexpected 40-day adventure uh, little contract we have and uh, signed their names and you know gave their emails and are willing to follow along that is an amazing thing when you find a group of the people of God it just it excites me to think about the potential we have to glorify God when a group of people are willing to team up team together and really display Jesus to the world really seek to walk worthy to be challenged and I'll share with you real quickly this is what it says it's called the unexpected 40 day adventure and it begins like this. It's a quote from the book, The Unexpected 40-Day Adventure, by Lee Strobel and Mark, Middle Mark Middleberg, which I'll be sharing through this journey. Um, when we tell God, please surprise me with the opportunities to tell others about you, we can have the confidence that he will take us on white-knuckled adventures that will make an eternal impact on others, while at the same time giving us the thrills of a lifetime. It's the difference between a numb life of predictability and an exhilarating series of divine coincidences. The word Christian means different things to different people. To one person, it means stiff, upright, inflexible way of life, colorless and unbending. To another, it means risky, surprise-filled ventures, tip, live tiptoeing at the edge of expectation. You see, children of the light that are walking into the darkness with clarity because they have the light before them. I, you know, I think about like if I'm walking on a tightrope or I'm walking on a line, and I know what's ahead of me. I know what to expect. I know what to, you know, I know my strength and my ability to get it. Through that, because I'm in the light, I can see, I have clarity, verse having no clarity, not knowing, and you know, I wouldn't be willing to walk. And in our lives, I believe that's why so many of us are stuck in mediocre lives, because we're not willing to walk because we're in darkness. And 
the goal of a Christian is to lead people in light so they're willing to have that foundation, willing to have that light before them, that clarity. That way they will truly live the life they were meant to live. And I'm not trying to sound like Joel Osteen, I promise. But that's the truth of Scripture. I'll defend it. You know, I, I will sit down with you and I will go through the Bible with you. Matter of fact, starting in February 2015 here at the Blue Point Bible Church, we're going to do exactly that. We're going to walk through the story and we're going to see what the story is telling us, A, as doctrine, what we believe, and B, what that means we should be doing. Truly walking in the light. Truly living through Scripture. Or as we're going to call it here, truly returning to our first love. Amen. So, in seeking to walk worthy of being a child of light, we're going to endeavor upon this 40-day adventure. And uh, the, the contract you would sign would say, I commit to seeking life to the full, in and through expressing our Lord to the world. And what that's going to mean is for the next 40 days, starting on um, this Saturday, starting this Saturday, I'm going to start sending, I'm sorry, that's, uh, yeah, starting this Saturday, and we're going to end January 1st. That'll be 40 days, this Saturday to January 1st. If I now, if I didn't make you realize how fast the season is coming upon us and ending, uh, 40 days from this Saturday is January 1st. So you have 40 days left to the year. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so starting this, this Saturday, the 22nd, we're going to go through this 40-day journey. And each day you're going to be challenged to talk to people about your faith. And in a very real way. This isn't some, uh, you know, what I would call a corny evangelism tactic. No, this is really uh, really going to be a, a journey. And it's really going to be fun. And, you know, I will share stuff from the book, uh, Unexpected Adventure, Lee Strobel and Mark Middleberg's book. And uh, I, I believe that this has the power to uh, impact us and others uh, very strongly. So uh, also one other announcement about what some of the things happening at Blue Point Bible Church would be that in – I mentioned this last broadcast. Actually, I gave the official announce, announcement last broadcast. Um, in March 2015, March 20th through the 22nd, we are having the, the second annual Power of Preterism Conference here at Blue Point Bible Church. We're still looking for speakers. We're still inviting uh, some speakers from out of state. Last year we had uh, Dr. Don Preston as well as Brother Joe Daniels. And Norman Neal visited, and uh, you know I could think of Cliff, who came from upstate, and we had uh, other speakers that were lined up to speak that weren't able to make it. Pastor Steve Schilling shared. I spoke. I also debated pa uh, Pastor Bruce Bennett from the Word of Truth Church, and we had a – it was a pretty power-packed um, conference. So this year I'm, I'm promising to do the same. Um, hopefully this year our live feed is going to be much better because we're looking to do that every Sunday now at Blue Point Bible Church, have a live feed um, we're, we're working on that for uh, proposed for 2015, um, January 2015. So, uh, you know, a lot of exciting things happening at Blue Point Bible Church. But the Power of Preterism, March 2015, uh, mark your calendars. If you could fly out, you know, I could get a hotel information for everybody. And last year we got we got a pretty good deal. And um, be glad to print out some maps and you know spend some time with you for that weekend. Um, our topic is going to be why preterism is growing and what we must do about it. And I believe that's the, the topic of the day. I believe that's what we need to be focused on. All the speakers will be encouraged to focus on that topic. Um, why preterism is growing. You know, it could be matters of doctrine. Why our eschatology is amazing. <laughs> you know, why our eschatology is exciting. I saw an amazing post on Facebook yesterday. Um, I believe it was by Fulfilled Dynamics, um, somebody by the name of Fulfilled Dynamics on Facebook, that shared about how our, our eschatology is exciting. And, uh, you know, that that's that's so true. 
and I, I see it. I see it every day on Facebook in the discussions in different forums and on my Facebook. And, uh, you know, it, it is. It's truly amazing. So uh, I, I really want you to start thinking about maybe people. Maybe people could email me about this. Tell me your ideas. You know, maybe people could start writing articles. Maybe some of the writers at TFC Magazine or Fulfilled Magazine will begin writing articles on this topic. What do you believe is the aspect of power behind preterism? Why is preterism such a powerful thing? Why must it be told to the world? What can we be doing? How could we begin to work as a unit? As the body of Christ, the church, anything. What's the power? Let's focus on the power and really begin to show people clarity in regards. Because I'm sick and tired, to be honest. I'm sick and tired of going on the internet and seeing people who, who are supposedly writers and teachers arguing about you know, oh, well, does this really have impact on us today? Or is there any um, people outside the kingdom today, you know, focusing on universalism or, you know, all these weird, confused ideologies? No, 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 no. We need to have clarity on what the true biblical gospel is, that it isn't that life is in and through Jesus Christ alone, that according to the image we get from the book of Revelations through chapters 20 through 22, we see you know, there's people that are going to be outside the gates of the kingdom, those that must put on the robes, as I've preached about at Blue Point Bible Church many times. People must put on the robes, put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and begin to walk in that. And, you know, how do I believe that happens? Yes, I believe that's by believing and being baptized. I believe that's by putting on Christ, walking worthy as a believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, we must begin to focus on that biblical gospel. You know, what was the hope of Israel? What was the Apostle Paul preaching? What are the scriptures truly telling us? You know, and I I really do. I appreciate the brothers that have worked and labored to uh, bring us together in this fashion. You know, I think of Alan Morton with all the amazing ideas and things he's done. And, you know, I think of Norman Neal, what he's endeavoring to do now, a lot of his stuff with uh, Take a Closer Look Ministries and a lot of what we're talking about with uh, Brother William Bell and Dr. Don Preston. You know, we're trying to really formulate stuff that's going to build up preterism, show more power to preterism. Tony Denton has been laboring at this and connecting preterists all over the place. I love his ideas, and I've connected so many people to different areas that have emailed me. I've sent them to Tony, and uh, you know, it's it's great. Dave Curtis with the conferences and you know, online stuff, the chat rooms and the conferences he puts together. It's, I mean, there's so many other people I could mention that are working to do this, and let's really start working together. As a force for God's glory. Doesn't, doesn't that make sense? Isn't that what we are called to do living in the, the new Jerusalem? Wouldn't that be our, our way of life? Amen, right? Well, with that said, I'm going to play a song real quick and I will come back and we're going to spoke, speak a little bit about atonement and uh, give you some introductions to next week's show. And uh, right for now, enjoy New Jerusalem by Millennium.
creation science, I know Tim Martin and Jeff Vaughn brought out the the point that we must begin to teach people how to live as citizens of the New Jerusalem if we indeed believe that is the current reality. Now, I believe that's the current reality, and I'll explain why. In Revelation chapter 21, we see the New Jerusalem coming down as a city from God. And uh, the New Jerusalem comes down, and you know it's the the city where there's going to be no gates and so forth, and you know the the nations will come bring their glory into it, and uh, you know all the details you read in Revelation chapters 21 through 22, and I believe that if you bring that to Galatians chapter 4, which it's not that I believe this, this is what Scripture teaches, you bring that understanding to Galatians chapter 4, you see that the New Jerusalem is uh, is actually the new covenant; it's an allegory. And, um, you know, it's compared to Sarah and Hagar, or Hagar. And uh, that's that's the story. That's what, you know, 
that, that's what the New Jerusalem is, according to Scripture. So, again, I believe I'm a citizen of the New Covenant, the fulfilled, fully consummated uh, New Covenant, Kingdom of God, New Jerusalem, whatever title you want to use. You know, the restored paradise of God. Um, I'm, I'm fine with all those um, understandings. So, that uh, that being said, you know, I believe we're living in what was hoped for. No, fully. I believe I'm fully living in what was hoped for by Old Covenant Israelites. So that brings me to this controversial topic of atonement in uh, the church. So if we listen to the wisdom of Paul Rakowitz on the internet, the early church and the institutional church has always believed that atonement was completed at the cross and it was telestai, it was completed at the cross. That's it. Fully completed at the cross. And obviously, we know that the, the institutional early church and you know the, the traditional church was um, futurist in their eschatology, and they held to a, a host of different views regarding what would occur at the coming of the Lord. And you know that this is what's brought up the confusion. So there was obviously a uh, something they were waiting on in the early church. So now we have. A couple different views on this right now, circling, and these are what I kind of see right now. Uh, futurists that believe that believe that full atonement was at the cross. You know, I, I believe all futurists believe that um, that full atonement was at the cross. There was an already but not yet factor because there must be a resurrection of the physical body. And the physical body and soul or spirit, however you put that whole uh, anthropological uh, um, thing, you know, however you put man together, material and immaterial, uh, you believe that they're going to connect, that the physical body is going to raise up and they're going to connect at this resurrection to be judged by the Lord. And uh, that resurrection was in the future at the coming of the Lord. Now, there's a lot of other details futurists can argue about, you know, what, what they believe about all that as well. However, that's what futurists believe, that full atonement was at the cross. It was an already but not yet not yet factor to full salvation because of the connection of the body, that the body must be raised and would be raised up and would be uh, put together with other, other immaterial parts of man. And uh, this is what would continue in the glory of the Lord. Now, there's a, you know, again, the reason why this is such a confusing topic is because there's so much confusion in the church regarding that. Now, yes, what I just told you is what they all believed. Like, you know, that was like a, a major thing. That was the majors. The rest is the details, how you put that together and how you make it make sense. Okay. So now in preterism, we have preterists that believe complete atonement is at the cross, but there's an, a future hope or glory in the afterlife that we have not yet received. And that's the hope. That's the, 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 the full um, reality of our um, atonement. Then we have preterists that believe that the cross was a process of atonement. There was an already but not yet factor to the AD 70 coming of the Lord consummation of the kingdom, the atonement. And this is when the high priest, using the symbology from uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, where the high priest comes out of the temple, uh, the coming of the Lord, the second coming, according to futurists. And this, this is when full atonement, full salvation occurs. So this, this is a confusion. Now, I understand why a futurist believes what they believe, because they, they believe there's an, we're still in the already but not yet. 
I understand why I believe, as I agree with the last one I mentioned, that the cross was a process of atonement, that there was an already but not yet till the coming of the Lord. Pretty much what a futurist believes today, I believed for then. And then I believe after AD 70 that was fully consummated and fully atoned. What I don't understand is how a preterist can hold to the already but not yet being com- cons- con- consummated and completed and occurred, the coming of the Lord, and yet still believe that there's something else that we have yet to understand or experience that makes up the gospel. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe there's something yet that I have yet to experience. I believe that there's a another dimension or a spiritual dimension where I believe that upon biological death I will continue. And I'll explain why I believe that. I believe that not because I've injected that into Scripture. I believe that because as I began to, for example, I was talking about this earlier with my younger sister, that I, for a little while, as a Christian believer, as a preterist, I, I had began to look into some of the things Rivers of Eden was saying and uh, some of these other um, camps around full preterism. Um, I would say outside the gates, they. Uh, I started to look at their stuff, and I, you know, I was like, well, maybe there really is no afterlife, and I was okay with that. I said, well, maybe all the blessings were for here. You know, you study the Old Testament. Really, what it was about was having a posterity that would continue, and having a legacy, a name that would continue forever, and you would, you know, you would not be despised and looked upon. You would not be uh, tread upon like the d- dust in the ground and so forth. So uh, I was okay with that. And I, I held to that for a little while, you know, uh, kind of like, oh boy, how do I explain this to people, you know? And then I, um, I began to uh, continue reading and learning about the resurrection of the dead ones and so forth, the resurrection of the necroi, which is dead ones, not the resurrection of the dead as people think it's everybody. It was the dead ones. It was a specific people that they were hoping to be raised. Basically, Israel. If Israel, if Israel's God wasn't true, Israel's God didn't wasn't faithful to them, and he didn't have a promise for the faithful of Israel that were dead that had passed on before the promise was fully consummated. How could we dare to believe that he would have a promise for us? Why would we trust him? You see, that, that was the argument in the New Testament, and that's specifically what the Apostle Paul is dealing with in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Is, you know, well, how dare you say that there's no hope for the dead ones of Israel, you Gentiles, when, you know, if God wasn't faithful to them and, they're, and they never received the promise, how dare you think there even is a promise that you are going to have? You know, as sure as Christ has been raised, there's hope for Israel. There will be a resurrection of the dead ones. That's, that's the point the Apostle Paul is making in 1 Corinthians 15. So, uh, you know, as I began to understand that, though, I said, wait a minute. So what that's teaching is that there was a promise still to be realized for those that had biologically died, therefore proving that there's something beyond biological death. Ah. You see? And it was that simple. So now I can agree with a lot of the traditionalists, like, yeah, amen, there is something beyond biological death. However, I'm not forcing that upon certain passages of Scripture and then not coming up with a uh, strange concept of an afterlife, and all of a sudden reverting the attention from the fullness and the reality of the fully atoned reality that we live in right now and making it about some fantasy that I've built up about the future. Now, that's the challenge I'm posing to that that other position. Now, I don't believe that there needs to be debate about it. I believe this is a good in-house discussion, so to speak. You know, I've heard people say that to me about end times and so forth. But I want to explain why. And I'm going to I'm going to try to end the show on this point and then uh explain what we're going to be doing next week. Last week I went to a uh, pastors meeting. Last Tuesday after I ended my show, I went to a pastors meeting 
And sure enough, as I sat down, you know, this is – hold on to your seat. This is going to be a funny one. Uh, I sit down. You know, the only preterist in the room – again, these are Pentecostal pastors that, are, you know, all hold to a futurist eschatology. Um, I sit down, and the gentleman speaking, the brother speaking, says, uh, we're going to talk about how eschat- uh, the atonement is married to eschatology, the end times. We're going to talk about the atonement and end times today, and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And I uh, I began to see the confusion. I began to see, well, obviously the futurist confusion of, you know, do they focus on the signs? Do they focus on the coming? Do they focus on, you know, what part of their body is going to be resurrected? How is it going to work? Is it soul sleep? Is it this? Is it that? You know, uh, how much of how much of salvation and atonement is attached to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28? And I was, I was shocked and I was surprised and, you know, overjoyed at the fact that they began to speak about the... Uh, you know Hebrews nine twenty eight and the fact that the coming of the Lord had everything to do with full salvation. And you know this is something I've I've harped on with people for a while. Understanding the already but not yet, understanding the what what full salvation would be and what was hoped for, and how that would be a current reality for believers today. And uh, so I was excited, you know, and they, they got into it, and um, I, I agree with the fact that atonement is married to eschatology, as the local pastor said. The question I threw out on Facebook last week after I got back from that was, do you agree? And I said there's many distinctions in the different view about atonement. I know where I stand, and I I said that this was explained minutely during my debate with Pastor Bruce Bennett in 2014, where during our question and answer during our debate, you can watch the video on YouTube, and uh, Bruce Bennett's first question to me was, explain atonement. And he basically went on to say, I do not believe in atonement because I do not put full atonement at the cross. And, you know, in a, in a futurist eschatology and understanding futurism, they put everything at the cross, you know, because they're still waiting for the rest of the reality. Whereas I believe the coming of the Lord occurred and, you know, the full reality came in, which puts me in the heretic, heretical box according to that view. So. Don Preston actually has a great follow-up. If you listen to the full video at the end, I think the last 10 minutes, he spends speaking about atonement specifically and basically pointing out that you know, according to that view, that if full atonement was at the cross, it was fully consummated, fully realized, fully there, then there was really no reason for the resurrection of, the, resurrection of Christ. There was really no reason for the day of Pentecost. There was really no reason for the coming of the Lord, the resurrection of the dead, the judgment, the new heavens, the new earth, because everything happened right there at the cross. <laughs> you know that's that's why I understand the first century already, but not yet. I understand how they were walking in the fullness. They were living in heavenly places. They were walking in that reality. However, they, it was pointing to the fully consummated, the the receipt, you might say, at AD seventy, at the coming of the Lord. You know, your faith would be proven. Your you know that which you longed for, that which you hoped for, would be fulfilled. You know, pointing to the, what is it, uh, Proverbs chapter 20, I believe, 28, speaks about that, you know, a longing fulfilled being a tree of life. There you go. You have direct push right to Revelation chapter 22, where the saints are given access to the tree of life. Because the saints are the ones going to realize the fully realized kingdom, the fully realized covenant. They're the ones that are going to walk in clarity, as we were talking about before, walking in the light. So, you know, in the Bible we see, I I urge everybody, spend some time this week reading through Leviticus chapter 19, Hebrews chapter 9, begin trying to understand the types. For example, the Passover in Egypt. You read through the book of Exodus and you read about how that Passover happened. And if you remember, the story is that they would put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost 
and uh, the, that God would pass over, the angel of death would pass over the those that had this the lamb's blood on the doorpost, right? And what I don't understand is that there's a lot of allusion to to that by futurists, by preterists of all you know different views on atonement. However, wouldn't you agree with me that to be fully atoned for, the full blessing came when they put the blood on the doorpost, not at that moment, however, when the angel of death came and they had not been killed when they fled Egypt, right? That the fact that they came out of it, wouldn't that have been the full blessing? So then, okay, so then it, it, it did carry over to the end. And it wasn't the fact that they put the blood on the doorpost. No, it was the fact that their faith in putting the blood on the doorpost, their faith in the cross carried out to the consummation. That, that, that's to me that's biblical um you know a biblical understanding of atonement you know, atonement means to be clean to be cleared to be made white to be made you know taking dirty something and cleaning it that's that's what we're doing to be made a new man when did the old man understanding corporate eschatology what you know as a corporate being um i believe it's uh oof i forgot off the top of my head now um Don Preston does a lot of talking about the corporate understanding the, the nature of the um, corporate gospel. I've written blogs, mianogonewild.wordpress.com, and Tom Holland, there's his name. He's he's done a lot of showing the corporate nature of um, Isaiah and Paul's writings. So uh, spend some time, you know, really thinking about that as, that as well. And then, for example, Rahab. When Rahab put the scarlet cord out, she operated in faith that these spies were not going to kill her or do her harm if she put out the scarlet cord when they came into her city. So she puts the scarlet cord out. Was it the moment she put the scarlet cord out, or was it after the men had already come and they did indeed pass over her It did not hurt her because of the scarlet cord? Wouldn't it have been after they already did all that that it was the full blessing? Yeah, Amen. So when the coming of the Lord occurred in AD 70 and the saints got to see the victory of you know the, their Lord's words coming true and the fact that no man died in Jerusalem according to Josephus, the fact that they were brought over to safety in Perea, doesn't that mean something? Doesn't that mean that it carried over that the full atonement was seen in the events of AD 70? Not to mention the fact that the Passover was fully realized 40 years later when they went into the promised land. Huh. There's that 40, a uh, time of transition. And sure enough, we see 40 years, or generally, from the AD 33 to AD 70. That concept of a full transition. So, to end tonight, today's show, I, uh, I didn't get as far into atonement as I wanted to, but the good news is next week I'm going to have Paul Rakowitz on the show with me, and I want him to explain to me, you know, and, and again, this isn't a debate, this isn't a challenge, this is simply a conversation of seeking to understand one another, hopefully I'll be able to help him understand my position, and uh, I'll understand his, you know, and then we could carry it out, maybe we could invite Don Preston on the show, and he could help me see if, you know, Paul Rakowitz, you know, maybe we could help Don understand if Paul's right or if we're right, and, you know, we could kind of get just conversation, no need for debate, no need for hostility, just being willing to discuss these things and say, uh, you know, I do indeed believe this is a salvation issue. If that, I believe that we should understand and be willing to walk in the full blessing if indeed the the fully atoned in AD 70 view is correct, then, uh, you know, or if it's fully or, or, you know, at the cross. Either way, you know, we need to be walking in those blessings. And that's that's where I really want to uh, put our attention and our focus. So uh, 
with that, I uh, hope we'll all work walk worthy. You can email me at ChristianityGoneWild at Yahoo.com. I apologize that I did not accept calls this week. The hard part is knowing who's going to uh, call in and know who's going to um, you know, want to actually talk or who's just listening. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you that if you, you do want to call in, um, why don't you send me an email, send me a Facebook message, and let me know that you're going to call in on the next show. And what I'll do is generally I'll always leave 10 minutes at the end, and we'll do calls in that manner. And that way I know who's calling in. And, you know, I, I've brought people on air that didn't want to come on air before, and it, it, it tends to be embarrassing. So hopefully that's uh, understood of why I would do that. It's not that I'm afraid of callers or anything like that. Um, next week we'll do 10 minutes at the end, and uh, we'll invite callers to call in and speak if um, you are going to call into the show and you listen, maybe you could let me know. That way I won't click on you if you don't want me to. You know, all that good stuff. So uh, with that, let's end in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you all the glory, Lord. And I pray that today's show was clear and exhorted the believers, Lord, to walk in the light. And I, if anybody was listening that was not a believer, Lord, I pray that I shed clarity and light upon the things that they might have had questions about, Lord, or they were in darkness about. Lord, I give you all the glory, and I thank you for your revealed truth, and I thank you for the men and women of God that have put together this broadcast and you know that the, that are bringing out the amazing insights of the reforms happening within Christianity, Lord. And I uh, lift up the prayers of Blue Point Bible Church and those prayers that have been asked of me, Lord, and I lift all these things up for your glory and your will in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I thank you for all that you are. In your name, amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we will be back next Tuesday at 8 a.m. again here on Bible Beacon Broadcast. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.